Smartcast. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDSE. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night. Ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. What up and welcome to Or Whatever Movies. I'm your co-host, Iris, and I'm here with my older brother. Wesley, hello. Today we are discussing a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Golden Globes liked this movie, perhaps a little bit more than the Academy. Nevertheless, after the Academy Awards, we're on what, our 12th? 12, 13? We've done 12 or 12, a dozen or so, or whatever movie episodes so far. How are you feeling we're doing, Wes? I think we're doing pretty well. Uh, I don't always get out the things that I want to say in the course of our time, but generally uh, I get my thoughts out and uh, yeah. We've gotten a little bit of feedback. I've been told that our listeners want a little bit more context on us. On us? Yeah. Who wants to talk about that? I mean, why are we in any place to talk about movies? Well, we're both producers, working producers. Yeah. I've been, uh, in my case, for over a decade, in your case, a lot longer than that. I think we are in the business because we feel like we have potential to tell good stories, and we see lots of movies as a result because we like going to movies. I love watching movies. Yeah, so we were raised on movies. It's kind of the reason we started the family podcast uh, where we talk about mom and dad and and significant others and things because we live and have lived our entire life with movies. Parents love movies. We watched a bunch of them growing up, and now we have opinions. I think pretty worthy ones, too. Yeah. As we said in an early episode, it is not our opinions that matter on the movie. You form your own. It's our ability to defend and, uh, and talk about our opinions in order to justify them. Yeah, and hopefully people feel like they're hanging out with their friends. So this past weekend, I was watching Ratatouille with my daughter, uh-huh. Paloma, your niece, which by the way, you should come see her sometime. Paloma Doma. Well, I would, but someone's going out of town this weekend. Yeah, one weekend. Anyway, I was watching Ratatouille with Paloma, and I love the moment when Ego goes to Remy's restaurant and eats the ratatouille and is transported back to his childhood. And it basically re, I mean, it it reintroduces him to his love of food, but it inspires him to write this really touching review. And in the review, he says something to the effect of, what I do as a critic can at best only pale in comparison to the achievement of like the art itself. Uh And, um, it made me think about what we do here. It just allows that his critique is not objective, right? He is, he is so transported by the taste of a simple dish, and it breaks through the crusty exterior of old, old bitter, uh, you know, narcissism or whatever Jadedness. he has. Yeah, that, that he has now. And, uh, yeah, that's kind of my focus, too. We talk a lot of trash, I think, about movies and just 
we're trying to get to the meat of the stuff we love. And I've said it before, and I'll say it again. The movies that I have qualms with that I voice on this podcast are more in disappointment because I really wanted this movie to work. I really wanted something to go so right. And when they screw it up so profoundly, it's kind of disheartening. Sure. It's a yeah. bummer, for sure. Yeah. A beautiful day in the neighborhood is no exception to that. Tell me. Good yeah. segue. Um, Matthew Reese said in an interview that he got the script for this movie and turned to his wife, Carrie Russell, and said, who's Mr. Rogers? No. And she said, get out of the house, because he was born in Wales. Didn't know who he was. Um, uh, Mr. Rogers is an American institution, has been for decades, long preceding us. I wondered how mom and dad might react to this movie, given that they didn't grow up with Mr. Rogers. I mean, he started in the 60s for sure, but they were all already well into adulthood by then. Sure. If you don't have a basis for Mr. Rogers, this movie is just going to seem weird. Uh, I think the comparison to Michael Jackson is not all that far off. Mm. I think that he is someone that you idolize and revere in your childhood for, for what they, they can show you and things, emotions that they can open up in you, um, but maybe not the best suited to represent people as adults. In the real world, Michael Jackson is kind of a weirdo, and you innately distrust Mr. Rogers in a cynical world where he tries to do good things and doesn't depart from his TV show persona. Sure. Kind of my problem with this movie. So, as Mr. Rogers, Tom Hanks, you would think, was an obvious choice. Mm -hmm. He played... Uh, Forrest Gump. Yeah, well, obviously, and he played Walt Disney not long ago. Mr. Banks. Yes, in Saving Mr. Banks. He is... He would seem to be the go-to person for the beloved persona of someone like Fred Rogers. Does he look anything like him? Does he sound like him? No. He's got a few mannerisms and he dresses like him. Got the cadence down. Got the cadence down for sure. But my first concern was whether or not Tom Hanks would be effective as Mr. Rogers. And in this movie, I have to say that he was because I think that the reverence people have for Fred Rogers is akin to the reverence that many of us have for Tom Hanks. He's kind of squeaky clean. Kind of squeaky clean, immediately likable, but when Tom Hanks looks at you, there's a reverence for him that's undeniable. He, he didn't have to play a spot on Mr. Rogers because my association and love for Mr. Rogers is buried under decades of adulthood. Mm -hmm. And so, but for Tom Hanks, he may have been the only person who could do it in a way that when he speaks, I would take him at face value, even if he's maybe doesn't fit in his surroundings okay. in, in a cynical world. So I think that uh, I, I figured you'd be much more take much more umbrage to this, but I think that Tom Hanks was well suited for the role of Mr. Rogers, maybe ideally suited. And Mr. Rogers' widow said the same, even if he doesn't look or sound a whole lot like him. I thought he sounded and looked a lot like him. There were moments where I was like, oh, there it is. But he, so he went up against someone who didn't use any kind of camera tricks, single camera for a lot of that show, in full focus, uh, center frame for the whole thing, except when he was Daniel Tiger and a lot of the puppet things. It's undeniable that if you watch archival footage uh, on YouTube of Mr. Rogers, you'll see the differences immediately. He wasn't going for 100% spot on performance, but it was there was enough there and so i think a lot again a lot of our re uh, reverence was attributed to tom hanks as mm. much as mr rogers yeah i mean i watched won't you be my neighbor yeah and going into this i didn't have any concerns about tom hanks i thought he was pretty believable but it w but when they did show archival of mr rogers at the end of the film 
I was taken out a little bit. Yeah. Like I was reminded of how different they look. I thought that Tom Hanks brought too much simpleness to this role. Like he was borderline Forrest Gump. I, there were many times where his cadence kind of slowed down and it was almost Southern and it was like he was struggling against that Alabama accent. I will agree. I couldn't help it. There were some times that it was Forrest Gump. But again, all stuff I'm willing to overlook. I would, I would venture to say that Mary Heller, Mari Heller, who directed this movie, all of that was sort of toned down, simplified, everything she brought to it, that it was almost... So here's my problem with this movie, that we can get right into it. Um, the whole movie, with especially the transitions, which were the mo most noteworthy, right? Were yeah. With the, uh, the Mr. Rogers style, what's his land called? Happy Land Adventure Time or whatever? The, uh, sure. Yeah. I have no the, idea. The neighborhood of, of toy cars and things. Um, so every travel montage, going yeah. across, everything was, was styled in the sort of Mr. Rogers neighborhood style. And uh, very distracting. Yes. And annoying to me. Yes. As much as I love the show, we were in the real world. Yes. And there, I think, opposing the dichotomy between the real world uh, being cold and hard and unforgiving and then the sort of warm envelope of Mr. Rogers uh -huh. and his persona and his, his love and things should have stood in stark contrast so that Lloyd would have been sort of... Uh, you know, rightfully uh, dubious about, is this guy for real? Sure. Because he's so out of place, it seems, in the real world. When he's sitting in a diner and saying things, it shouldn't make sense. Like, like you, no, I get this, you're on the show, but in the real world. But Mari Heller, it looked like she in, in deliberately was suggesting that the entire world was actually Mr. Rogers' neighborhood. And that bothered me kind of a lot. It took me out every time it happened. Yeah. It, you know what it felt like? I was waiting. Okay, so we're going to get into the... The diner scene, yep. which one person, I cannot remember who, said was one of the 60 most impactful seconds in movie history. Really? The diner scene is one of many filmmaking devices that I think takes us out of the film. The people sensing something and stopping. The Lloyd Vogel photo in the picture book or whatever it was at the beginning. Like, there was no way for Mr. Rogers to have gotten that picture from Lloyd's sister's wedding to put it into his picture book. Like the whole kind of introduction to the film made the, set the tone that this somehow wasn't real or was fantastical. Right. Mari Heller, the director, treated this movie as if it were part of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. So in the diner scene, when he asked for a full minute of, uh, of silence, and then Tom Hanks looks directly at camera and breaks the fourth wall, it annoyed me, and I was just waiting for him to say something like, do you like to play make-believe? You know, and just, it was like this whole movie was a very special episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood, you know? Yeah. And uh, it felt <laughs> it felt contrived in that way. The Lloyd Vogel story never felt real. It wasn't real, in well, fact. It, it was definitely based on the article for a different guy. This was a different character who never had a fistfight at his wedding. Um, it was based on a real journalist, yes. And the, the article was, Can You Say Hero?, and uh, but this was a fictionalized version of it, and it always felt like that to me. Yep, this movie deals with a lot of really heavy, serious, emotional, intimate issues, and yet it, it itself, from a story perspective, doesn't really do more than scratch the surface of some of these people's lives. I feel like in every scene they're talking about something really important, but not living it. Does that make sense? Absolutely. They straddle that line pretty thoroughly throughout the entire movie. Um, 
where it seemed like a setup to talk about, you know, because Mr. Rogers was not one, as we saw from last year's documentary, uh, was not one to shy away from the serious topics, but he presented them in a way that were palatable for younger viewers who wouldn't feel overwhelmed or scared by the concepts because they are part of life and they need to be understood and processed as a natural part of life where you will not have the tools to navigate the world, right? It seemed like this movie stayed too cleanly on one side of serious themes that kept it all palatable when it didn't need to. It didn't need to because it was an adult audience and they could have dug deeper. Right, and, and, and would have responded better, I think, to, to more accurate storytelling. Mm -hmm. without shying of for some from some of the deeper themes the worst we got was a punch thrown at the wedding mm -hmm. but all in all i was initially concerned by the pg rating that this movie received and that seemed to present itself as a problem mm -hmm. almost immediately and never left mm -hmm. because it did feel like a very special episode where we touch on themes that we know that violence you know lloyd was injured and we want to find out how that happened and, and we see his face, and, and it, it just, like you said, scratch the service, never got any deeper, and would have been better served had it done so. Yeah, so this was inspired by true events. Was there not more about the journalist's life? I mean, the journalist wrote an article about basically himself. Like, was there not more to have gleaned from that article? I haven't read the article, but I will say that uh, he was an interviewer who was ostracized. Uh, and not very well regarded by his peers at the time. It is true that Mr. Rogers was advised against doing the interview um, with this particular journalist, uh, did so because he wanted to find the good in every person, as Mr. Rogers seems to have always wanted to do, but that he was facing some personal and, and professional trials, and Mr. Rogers sort of saw through that, like he does in the movie, and all that is fine, but if we're going to manufacture, and this movie is certainly more about Lloyd Vogel than it is about Fred Rogers, because in fact, Tom Hanks' Oscar nomination came through Best Supporting Actor mm. in a movie that was not about Mr. Rogers as much as it was this journalist character. Mm -hmm. And if it had been more hard-hitting in that way, if we had tipped the balance just a little bit in favor of the real world mm -hmm. and only gone into this wonderful world of Mr. Rogers, which I will concede was wonderful, would have been more effective. Mm. Did we talk about Matthew Reese's performance? No, let's talk about Matthew Reese's performance. So I came into this liking Matthew Reese from The Americans and was expecting a lot of him. And I felt like he didn't have a lot of material to work with. You felt that it was the material? Because I came into this knowing nothing about Matthew Reese and I came out caring nothing about Matthew Reese. I'm sorry, Matthew Reese's husband, to Carrie Russell, you were woefully miscast in this podcaster's uh, humble opinion. Um, he's from Wales, has a strong Welsh accent. I don't know if he does in the Americans, frankly, don't care. But he had the same problem that Ewan McGregor has in, in an American accent. It's a little bit too formalized, and it seems like he's struggling to keep that accent in check the entire time and we're focused on that rather than on his performance or his, the you know his emotions coming through in his face or in his actions uh, he seems he seemed kind of stunted and I didn't like him at all and he was a troubled person and I don't know that it was supposed to be immediately likable but you're supposed to get a jibe and, and root for the actor for the character and I did not at all in this movie yeah 
Interesting that you say he was miscast. I don't believe him when, I didn't believe him when he threw the punch. We took it all. We brought them to our land. An endless night, ember hot and icy cold. The rage of the earth. We made this curse. Carved it in the blood on our backs. We did not see. We could not, but she did. And in the end, what will I become? Senwa Saga. Hellblade 2. Play it now with Game Pass. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. And he plays quite an action-oriented character in The Americans, which never quite set right with me. I mean, I don't see Carrie Russell as an action hero either, but they both do a lot of fighting and, I don't know. I mean, they're spies. It's she was like a Star Wars bounty hunter in, Star, in, in, uh, in The Rise of Skywalker, and she was in Mission Impossible 3. She was a special agent. And was she convincing? Well, she died. But, like, did you believe her fight scenes? Yeah, I believed her gun handling scene. She took a lot of training. Anyway, <laughs> anyway, I thought that Matthew Reeves was a little bit of the, a little bit of victim of the material, a little surfacey. I felt like he didn't have a chance to to really dig in. Yeah, um, you consider the material. The same material was given to Matthew Reeves as was to Chris Cooper, who shines even though he didn't look great in this movie. I don't think he was portrayed particularly well. I think he did the best that he could with his material, and he did a good job. I think Tom Hanks did a magnificent job, partially because he was Tom Hanks. Very well cast, maybe the only casting, despite looking and sounding not a whole lot like Fred Rogers. Everybody else in this movie fell flat to me, both Matthew Reese and his wife. Uh, everybody on Fred Rogers' crew, except Except may maybe for the lady who played Mrs. Rogers. Ah. I thought she was fine, but everything else felt like a false construct, like a half-assed, low-budget recreation filmed for a special episode of Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. The whole movie felt like that to me, except for the anchors. And I thought that Tom Hanks was great, and Chris Cooper was great in his limited role, and everyone else was struggling with the same material that the major stars got, but I think it all under the direction of this person who, regardless of being a lady or not, did not knock it out of the park, sorry. Whoa. No? Heavy. Do you disagree? No, I don't, and I think you said it well. I think you, I mean, it was a little little um, aggressive. I, I, I would like to propose a ray of shining light. Go. I, as a viewer, felt aligned with Matthew Reese's character, even if I didn't perhaps empathize with him as much as perhaps the filmmakers wanted me to, in that, I felt his frustration when he was in interviews with Mr. Rogers, especially the second time when Mr. Rogers invited him back to his house and is almost willfully deflecting his questions, pulling out puppets and crap and like almost toying with him in a way. And I, as a documentarian or as a filmmaker myself, would have been frustrated with him. Apparently he was pretty hard to interview because he would want to talk and turn it more onto the interviewee than himself. Uh, wanted pictures of his new friends, as he put it, but never wanted to be photographed himself. I understand what you're saying. 
And I would argue that those, the, the sort of resistance to Mr. Rogers trying to, you know, worm his way inside to find a figure out what's going on in, in, in Lloyd's head could have as easily been portrayed when Lloyd is forced to confront his father or his feelings about his father to his wife. Um, seem, seemingly idealistic life, um, high-profile re- reporter, uh, baby, family, all that good stuff. Troubles with his father, that's not uncommon, I guess, not to discount that situation. But any other time that those uh, sort of emotions were present and he was struggling with them, it always fell flat to me. Mm-hmm. Uh, unfortunately, I attributed that to Matthew Reese and maybe to the to the material. But any time uh, Tom Hanks was on screen as Fred Rogers, he was so magnetic, I think, that... Your, he met that Matthew Reese's character was almost shielding his eyes from that glare. He could not process that there was something that good and that pure that he was in no way prepared to deal with. Mm. Um, so it, I, it's strange to be able to take what you're saying and attribute that to Tom Hanks, but that seemed to be the case. In every scene that he was in, um, I felt more for Lloyd. And yes, Mr. Ro- Mr. Rogers seemed impenetrable, but he uh, still got in there. Right, as, as unconventional as his methods and probably as frustrating as they were, he still found a way in. And I attributed that to Mr. Rogers as a person who I sincerely believe, for better or worse, was that person. Not to say that that didn't present its own difficulties in, in life. And his wife said that he was definitely, and I quote, no saint, not perfect, and a lot of times frustrating. That might not be a direct quote. But, um, yeah. Did any of this work for you? Tom Hanks worked for me. Chris Cooper worked for me. The lady who played Mrs. Rogers. Yeah, the irony is that everything felt false until we were in Mr. Rogers' world. Because, well, probably maybe that was the intention. I mean, all of those stylistic filmmaking devices like we were talking about before kind of rooted us in it. The transitions brought us back to the world. The setup established the world. It ends with the family photo. Uh, I mean, it's bookended with, with that picture book or whatever that poster board was called, which makes the whole thing feel like a fantasy. Yeah, uh, and how you perceive that and how that fantasy sits with you, I guess, depends on what you want to get out of the movie. So what do you think? I mean, I think it's a very gentle film. I think it's a very safe film. I think that it proposes to deal with heavy issues, but it does it in a very light way, a la Mr. Rogers' Neighborhood. But it was uh, it was just a little too safe. It was a little too squeaky clean. Um, if you say that this film is Tom Hanks, then I think Tom Hanks' performance was a little oversimplified, and therefore the film was a little simple. And boring. Yeah, I think his good role was supporting and the rest of the movie just wasn't enough. You're saying it made it a boring movie? Mm-hmm. I would agree, except I don't have that rating. On my scale, it would be a whatever movie, elevated by some good performances. Um, Tom Hanks said he didn't want to play real characters anymore. And then Mari Heller, who he, who he knows personally, brought this role to him and he thought, well, I'm going to give this one another shot. And... Um, I think that he is good at what he does in this kind of role, but it's wearing just a little bit thin. Mm -hmm. He's playing, you know, he doesn't have to play real characters because we're always basing it, especially in this day and age, he's covered a lot of the classics. Now we're getting into people who are still alive. Mr. Rogers is not alive, but he might as well be for how much footage we have of him and how easily accessible he is. Mm. But he doesn't have to. 
Uh, I admire what he did, what he brought to the role, and I think that in many ways he carried this movie. All right, a whatever rating from Wes, a boring rating from Iris. This is our chat about a beautiful day in the neighborhood. Ready for uh, trivia? One of the inaccuracies in that movie is apparently Mr. Rogers in his own pool swam totally naked. No. Yep. That's kind of juicy. Thanks for listening. <laughs> if you uh, have anything you'd like to share with us, please give us a, uh, give us a call. Leave us a voicemail at 818-835-0473 or send us an email at orwhatevermovies at gmail.com. Thank you so much for listening. We appreciate your support and we'll see you next time. Welcome to Transforming 45, the podcast that celebrates the incredible power of passionate voices. I'm your host, Lisa Boat. Join me in conversation with heart-led humans who share their deeply personal stories of transformation. Transforming 45 is here to uplift, connect, and remind you that it's never too late to write your next chapter. So get ready to be inspired, empowered, and transformed. Join me in this community where through powerful storytelling, we heal and reclaim our inherent magic. Have you ever wondered what actually happens in Congress every day? Stay informed on Capitol Hill's daily happenings with a concise, factual summary of the Senate and House of Representatives activities from the previous session, free from bias, on the Congressional Record Daily Digest podcast. Subscribe on your favorite podcast platform and discover the process from the heart of U.S. politics. The Congressional Record Daily Digest, an Electric Cast production.